Hey, this is Mark with A Present Word, where scripture is shared with insightful and practical applications for you today. Luke 19, starting in verse 41. Now when he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you did not know the time of your visitation. I want to point out that Jesus is saying in verse 42, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for peace. So he's saying, this is about you. This is for you. But did you notice Jesus was speaking like it had already happened in the past tense? if you had known. See, Jesus had foreknowledge. He knew the future of Jerusalem before it would even happen. He knew what was coming, the destruction of the people with their children, along with this second temple, which did happen around 70 years later. Continuing in verse 45, and when he went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in it, saying to them, it is written, My house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Another translation says robbers, or place for buying and selling. See, not prayer. Verse 47, he was teaching daily in the temple, but the chief priests, the scribes, and the leaders of the people sought to destroy him. These priests, scribes, and leaders who were over the people, they didn't understand Jesus. They misjudged him. They thought he was like them. They didn't understand what Jesus was doing. The zeal of the Lord has eaten him up. He was actually acting on behalf of God as Father, who they claimed was their father. So he overturns the tables, telling them to stop their wickedness by merchandising in the Holy Temple. They were essentially turning this temple into a place of commerce. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, The natural man does not receive or understand the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. They didn't discern the Lord. They were missing this sign. They didn't know why he was doing what he was doing. They missed the time of their visitation, and instead they sought to kill Jesus, which eventually they were successful at. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 38, Jesus speaking, But when the vine dressers saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. So they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owners of the vineyard come, what will he do to those vine dressers? They said to him, He will destroy those wicked men miserably and lease the vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruits in their season. Unfortunately, a lot of the same underlying problems that Jerusalem was facing in the temple with the merchandising of the people, the lust for the control of the people in the treasury, it exists today in many of our present churches. 
I do believe Jesus is visiting many of his churches today by the Spirit, hoping they will recognize the time of their visitation and receive his loving correction for the things that would make peace, and that they would make the course correction, individually or corporately, to what the Holy Spirit is speaking. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 67, this is Zechariah's prophecy. Now John's father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all those who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath which he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. Well, in this prophecy, who is Zechariah talking about here? He's talking about the coming of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of Israel, Even though in this scene, it's the circumcision of his son John, as we all know, later to become known as the Baptist. But did you notice before his father prophesied over his son, he first prophesied about the Christ child and what will take place? Well, Jesus always takes first place. Zechariah goes on in verse 76, And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercies of our God, which the day spring, or the Messiah from on high, has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. See, the day spring, he's going to visit us, the Messiah. Why? He wants to guide us. He wants to give us light that we should not walk in darkness, but we should go in the way of peace. Now, we know that was a word that Jesus fulfilled when he came. When he died and rose again, he said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to come to you. So the Lord is still very active with me and you and his church on the earth, not bodily anymore, but through his spirit. So Zechariah is prophesying here in Luke that he has visited his people. He has raised up a horn of salvation. See, he's done that. He goes on that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all those who hate us, that we should serve him or serve God without fear. I believe when the Lord personally visits you and me, it's in part a fulfillment of what Zechariah was prophesying. He is our horn of salvation. He comes to save us. From what? From our enemies. See, from those who hate us. I'm not talking just about people. I'm talking about the spiritual dominion of darkness, the rulers, the principalities that are in the heavenly places that are actively working against the purposes and plans of God. But Paul said we wrestle not against flesh and blood. But see, we have these enemies, they hate us, but he's coming to deliver us and save us. Why? That we would serve him without fear, that we would be a fearless people. We would fear the Lord, but we would not fear the enemy that we would live in peace. 
Why, he's the Prince of Peace. See, peace I give unto you, not as the world give, giveth I. So God's giving us this heavenly, this divine peace. Why? Because our confidence is in the Lord. I don't believe Jesus visits us because he's got nothing better to do. In Psalm 8, verse 4, what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? For you have made him a little lower than Elohim or the angels or the angel class, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. Verse 6, you have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. So you may say, well, what's the point? What are you getting at? I believe this, this verse in Psalms is giving us an insight into visitation. Why do we have these days of visitation that are so important? Because God has given us the dominion over the work of his hands. We play a vital role in the outworking of what God's doing here on earth. He visits us for this primary purpose, you know, and a secondary purpose is that, yes, he visits us to offer guidance for our personal life as well. I know we all want visitation. We all want to experience the presence of the Lord and to hear his voice and receive divine guidance. The time of visitation can vary and take many forms. It would be impossible for me to give you an exhaustive list of how this happens. And quite frankly, I don't know. So I can only speak from personal experience or biblical references found in the Bible. I experienced something profound years ago when I was awakened at 3.33 in the morning. I was very tired. I didn't want to get up and pray. But I'm glad I responded that night because it completely changed the trajectory of my life. It was a time of visitation for me. Now, by and large, the time of visitation is when we sense a profound presence of the Lord. It's something that's very unusual, very pronounced and that we're sensing his desire to speak to us is urgent. Now, as some examples, it could be for cleansing, for restoration, for restoring of our weary souls. It could be an intervention for guidance, where we have to turn a corner in our life, and it requires specific understanding of what's taking place or what will take place. It could be a rebuke or an exhortation for us to repent and turn from something that's not pleasing to the Lord. But whatever it is, I cannot overstate how vital it is to respond appropriately to the purpose of the visit. We see what happened to the temple and the people in Jerusalem when they missed the day of their visitation. Don't be so naive to believe that cannot happen to us in our day of visitation. The outcome, of course, would be different. Back then, the priests and leaders were in defiant rebellion against God. He was sending his son, their Messiah. They missed him, but they paid a very severe price. Visitation is a two-sided coin. We all want it, but it has the positive outcome and the negative one. The choice is ours. It's how we respond when the Lord comes and visits us. When I was visited years ago in this very profound encounter, Had I not gotten up and said, yes, Lord, I'm listening, but turned over and went back to sleep, who knows? I could have to wander in the wilderness, not believing God, like the children of Israel of Moses who wandered around 40 years for a trip that could have been done in weeks. Unfortunately, many today are wandering nomad Christians in the wilderness of life. 
It's not because they're not saved. It's not because God doesn't love them. It's not because God hasn't even visited them, but it's because they missed the day of their visitation. Or in other words, they didn't respond to the visitation. They didn't take it seriously. They didn't value it. You know, there are a lot of different reasons why. They don't have a heart for it. They have no intention of doing it. They have no intention of responding to the Lord. Matthew chapter 23, verse 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house has left you desolate or like a wilderness. For I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus is saying, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Well, who's that? This is the one who comes sent by God. Jesus is saying, In my name to do my will. They're not coming to do their will or the will of man. The one that the Lord Jesus is sending will not be conformed to the culture or the political agendas of our current day. Jesus is saying, you will see me no more until you recognize those who I am sending. It's a judgment. They miss the Lord. They didn't respond to the Lord. You will see me no more until you recognize those who I'm sending. Once we start recognizing those whom he is sending, I believe that we will again have an increase of personal and or even corporate visitations from the Lord. Why? Because we are now willing. Matthew 23, 7, we just read it. But you are not willing. See, I wanted to gather you together, but you're not willing. So now we are willing. You're recognizing those who I have sent. And you're also recognizing those who are coming in their own names, those who I have not sent. We're praying for wisdom, discernment, and understanding. And James tells us to, if you lack, ask for it. But when God gives it to us, it comes with a responsibility. If he opens our eyes and shows us things on both sides, those who are coming in the Lord's name and those who are coming in their own name, there's an accountability and a responsibility to how we respond to that. So you may be asking, well, what are we to do? I would say to you, if you're having visitation experiences, and in my life, they're very rare. I mean, the Lord speaks to me, but these kind of profound visitations, they're rare, but they're critical. But I think I have less of them because the Lord has my ear, and I hear better than I used to when I was younger. So it's kind of like prophetic words. We all want to get them. But as we get older in the Lord and more mature, getting a prophetic word is not always a compliment. Many times it could be because you're not hearing and God has to send someone to you. But regardless, visitations are important. If you've had them or are having them and you're hearing from the Lord, I want to say congratulations. Well done. Keep going. Keep obeying the Lord. Keep fulfilling his purpose for your life. If you're not, if you'd say to me, Mark, this isn't happening. I'm not having a visitation. I'm not encountering. Remember the Lord said, I will come to you and sup with you and I will manifest myself to you. So this is something that's very biblical. That's found in the gospel of John chapter 14. I'm not suggesting this is, you know, an everyday or weekly occurrence. I know some people have 
all kinds of experiences, and we'll just have to let the Lord work that out. But if you're not having it, then I would say you have to ask the Lord, because I want to present this question. Why would the Lord come and visit us if he knows we have no intention of doing what he's asking? See, we see in our opening story in Luke, the Lord, he was weeping over the city, saying, really, in past tense, he already knew what was going to happen, but he still had to go up into the temple and drive out the money changers. He knew in advance they were going to reject him, but he had to fulfill that biblical prophecy of all that was written. So even though he knew that he would be crucified and that the majority of the nation would reject him, he pressed through. He went in and did it. But today, things are different. See, God's looking for willing hearts, people who are willing. You know, I've, I've had to say, Lord, you know, why aren't you more active in my life over the years? And I really feel the Lord was saying, because, you know, are you really willing? And to be quite honest, I wasn't many times in different seasons of my life. I was stuck. I was happy. And when I felt the pressures of by the Holy Spirit to make the appropriate changes in my life, I resisted. And there's a cost to that, you know, but I'm saying repent and say, Lord, make me willing, give me a willing heart so that you would visit me and then I can respond. But in the meantime, pray and seek the Lord and look for those who you're hearing the Lord speak through into the church wherever you are throughout you know, the United States or around the world. I have people all around the world who listen to this podcast in different countries, that there would be a willingness for you to seek out those who, by the Holy Spirit, who are being sent by the Lord's name. If you're not willing to do that, then you're not willing you're not willing to turn your ear, but I'm believing you will be and that we will be such a people. Psalms 110 verse 3 from the Amplified, your people will offer themselves willingly in the day of your power in the beauty of holiness. May we offer ourselves willingly to the Lord in the day of our visitation. We need to come to the place where we can say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I hope this message was helpful to you today. If you would like to be notified of future podcasts, click the follow button. If you're on Google, click subscribe. This is a free podcast. We are a listener-supported ministry. If you would like to donate, click the PayPal link in the podcast. If you're on our website, click the heart button. To contact me, my email is apresentword at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. God bless you.